Some people still claim that cancel culture doesn't exist, but they can safely be dismissed as irrational, especially in light of recent developments. Yet the flip side to cancel culture might be even more insidious, because that's the all-pervasive imposition of left-wing propaganda across the arts. There's hardly a film or TV series now that doesn't consist of heavy-handed tokenism and a series of pious lectures clumsily strung together, relentlessly drubbing us over the head with the diversity narrative. This approach isn't just horrifically tedious. It's terribly damaging to art, to artistic quality, and to free expression. Any fair that fails to conform immediately comes under criticism, and this imposes a banal conformity in the arts that has a stultifying effect on society. It's horrifically damaging and dangerous, and the effects of this cult are becoming worse all the time, as the parameters of acceptable expression continue to narrow, and the consequences of deviation grow ever more harsh. Award ceremonies have become increasingly outlandish affirmations of loyalty to this narrow and bullying cult, effectively constraining themselves in adhering to the same quotas as their increasingly insufferable efforts. And as resistance to this mania spreads, those cultural elites double down, becoming ever more stubborn, grandiose and conceited ever more detached from the sort of experimentation and realities where true creative expression lies. But far more dangerous than this is the increase in attacks on literature. The area of writing should be inviolable. But for years now, it's been patrolled by Stalinist sensitivity readers who take a red pen to any proposed drafts forcing changes to the text so that they adhere to the increasing lunacy of woke requirements. Anthony Horowitz recorded how these dull Puritans had attacked his latest book. He'd described a doctor attacking a victim with a scalpel, but the sensitivity readers dulled that to a surgical instrument, lest anyone make a bizarre connection with the scalping of American Indians. Literature has thus been policed by people with loopy ideas and zero comprehension of effective writing. Hardly a progressive step. Outright bans have become commonplace. The memoirs of Woody Allen were dropped by his publisher after complaints from progressive staff. So was Nigel Bigger's study on the British Empire and Julie Burchill's book on, uh, free speech. And yes, they later found other homes, but this is a worrying trend. And there's also the ever-present injunction for writers to stay in their lane. Imagination is supposed to be at the core of literature, but not anymore. A white man better not depict a character who's a black woman because he can't share her lived experience. While diversity has been shoehorned into every visual medium, it's effectively been drummed out of literature. All that will remain will be memoir. The Writers' Union, the Society of Authors, has warned how writers that question woke orthodoxy have been drummed out of the profession. Any who show even slight support for J.K. Rowling are cancelled after howled accusations of transphobia. 
Joanne Harris, the union president and author of Chocolat, has developed a reputation akin to Robespierre for her hunger to purge the politically unsuitable. When Gillian Phillips spoke up to defend Rowling, she was sacked by her publisher and now works as a lorry driver. Another children's book, The Blue Eye, was pulped by its publisher for not being sufficiently effusive about Islam. Apparently, showing children being slightly scared of grown-ups is now Islamophobic. Kate Clanchy's lively book on what she learned from children has been attacked too, and it's under pressure, being widely rewritten. While John Boyne, who wrote The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas, has also been under pressure for failing to stay in his lane. Writers are feeling increasingly constrained by what they can say and what subjects they can approach. That's a disaster for creativity and for wider society. The closing of minds and free expression has consequences and none of them are desirable. As with every aspect of the narrow and censorious woke tyranny that dominates our lives, the case is a legion. I give just a smattering here. I may give more in other films, but even more alarming than the pressure brought to bear on contemporary writers is the truly Orwellian rewriting and cancellation of dead authors, those unable to defend themselves or their works. A number of Dr Seuss books have been cancelled, never to see the light of day again, and Enid Blyton's books have been attacked by our puritanical censors heavily rewritten to bring them into line with the diktats of our narcissistic commissars. And now, Roald Dahl, perhaps the most loved children's author of all, has suffered the same fate. His anarchic books have been loved for generations by children and adults alike. But now they are to be neutered, given an anodyne rewrite by bureaucratic busybodies. If you filled a sports arena with these bland identikit drones, you'd still have less creativity than Roald Dahl had in his left earlobe. But now, they feel qualified to rewrite one of the greatest scribes of the 20th century. It's simply monstrous arrogance. The only person who should decide what goes in a Roald Dahl book is Roald Dahl. This is quite simply a crime. It's sacrilege. So it was, of course, defended in The Guardian. Gabby Hinsliff, who wrote the article, even had the hubris to suggest that the main problem with Roald Dahl is the quality of the prose. <laughs> Just when you thought that Guardian journalists had already tapped out in the levels of smug arrogance that the human race was capable of. Well, Gabby, you may sneer at Roald Dahl's prose, but his writing will be loved revered and remembered long after you are dust and forgotten. So maybe wind your neck in a bit, love. This is a truly alarming development. I genuinely believe this period will be viewed by future generations as the Spanish Inquisition's index of books are viewed by ours, with Gabby Hinsliff, if she's remembered at all, regarded as a proto-talk armada. Everything about this cult is toxic, and if their actions aren't bad enough, their ideology is even worse. If these people are determined to dominate all expression, it's incumbent on us to digest their values, 
And what have they been up to in just the last few days? Well, in Oxford, the councillors are introducing draconian, fascistic legislation to prevent their constituents from driving their own cars from their own homes. The people protested this appalling infringement of their civil liberties and the ultra-woke Antifa turned up. But they were there to defend the fascistic overreach of the state and to bully and abuse those peacefully calling for liberty. Antifa screamed they were fascist scum because of course they did. Strike one for the madness. And then there's Shamima Begum, the ISIS terrorist who gloated about the Ariana Grande attack that left 22 children dead, sewed bombs into suicide vests, crowed about beheaded kafar, and acted as a guard at a rape camp. Of course, the left have all rushed to eulogise her, and not satisfied with their promotional push, the BBC have given her a second series, which they're plugging all over the place. As if that wasn't disgusting enough, Gary Lineker also took to Twitter to defend ISIS. And the people of Britain are forced by law to pay this idiotic twonk millions of pounds. This nauseous ideology also informs a new AI technology. And the flagrant bias that saturates that and our literary circles was evident for all to see. When asked to gauge whether individuals had a positive or negative impact, it gave high marks to all the left-wing figures and punishingly low marks to everyone right of centre. We've seen how deranged this mindset is, how divorced from reality in everyday concerns, how it spouts nothing but baffling idiocy, defending terrorism and state overreach, while imposing censorship and propaganda on us like a true totalitarian state. When we protest about the rape and murder of children, they tar us as far right, while they stick up for ISIS. And these are the people who'll decide what we're allowed to read. If you think the West isn't screwed, then you haven't been paying attention. There's an entire continent of evidence that this ideology utterly dominates all our tech industries, our culture, media, the arts, education, sport and politics. And still it will get denied by the people who share their warped and narrow ideology. But their delusion has no impact on reality. And the damage they are doing is colossal and perhaps irreparable it will certainly see them consigned to infamy. And that day cannot come soon enough. If you want to support this channel, please like, subscribe and think about buying my books. They're called The Tyranny of the Left and they go into topics like this in much greater detail. They're available on the links below. Please do feel free to pick them up and let me know what you think. Thank you.